You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Leanne, are you want to come up and read scripture for us this morning? Let me invite Leanne Hallworth to the stage. Happy Mother's Day. What a gift of a mother could give, right, to read the scripture. <laughs> You can read it off of here if you like. It's right there. 1 John chapter 5, 13 through 15. 13, yeah, right there. Oh, perfect. All right. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Leanne. And happy Mother's Day once again. And to all of you, happy Mother's Day. Oh, is that going to roll off? Stay. Perfect. So good to be with you here this morning. Let me pray one more time as we open up this text of Scripture and then uh, jump into it. So let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for your word, that we can glean from it, learn from it. Uh, Lord, that we will pray according to your will, that we will abide in you, that we will walk in your light this week, that we will seek your face in all that we do. Whatever the decisions that we make, how we, how we think of others, how we, how we walk and talk with others. Uh, Lord, may we be forgiving. May we confess our sin before you. Uh, help us abide in you, Jesus, through the power of your spirit that fills us and guide us through this life, through these days. And help us, Lord, glean these things from this amazing text this morning. Uh, guide our thoughts, guide our hearts, open our ears to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have two more weeks after this one for this uh, little epistle of 1 John. Uh, not, we got today and then two more uh, after this one to close this little letter. But this little letter, as I've said multiple times now, is jammed full of goodness. There's so much in all these one little liner verses. And so it's so good. Um, and John, he does not ever pull back, right? Like he doesn't hold back from what he is proclaiming to us. And he wants the reader to fully grasp what he is saying. Just like the mums here this morning, I'm sure, with all these little kids running around, it was probably not the most restful morning, right? That you were kind of hoping for. You were hoping for like a good, you know, like a pancake breakfast and eggs and Benedict and, and all this kind of stuff. And yet when you have this kind of age group that we prayed for earlier, just doesn't work out that way, right? And, and the beauty is, moms, you're, you're fine with this. You're moving this and you're going, hey, we're going to church, get your shoes on. Like, okay, put your socks on first and then your shoes. Make sure you got your sweatshirt just in case it gets cold. It's not going to get cold anytime soon. Uh, Eat your breakfast. Yes, sweetie, the crust too, right? Mums are always on. And these are character qualities actually of Jesus. He wants the best for us, just like the mums want the best for the kids, Right? Amen, moms? You want the best for them. You're not teaching these things to them to make their days miserable. 
You're teaching these things that their day might succeed, that they might succeed in life and, and love and be nourished with food and so on. And these are character qualities of Jesus. And John in his writing is no different. He's no different. John in this little epistle wants the very best for the church. And in today's text, it is an extraordinary gift that he is reminding us of that most likely we take for granted and have taken for granted over the years of our walk with Jesus, just like our kids take for granted of us at times, right? You will often find in the epistles these small letters that the author will emphasize the important points he wants to nail down with the reader multiple times, and this letter is no different It's no different. In fact, our first verse for this morning is proclaimed by many that it is the summary statement of the entire letter. It's the summary statement of the entire letter, pointing back ultimately of multiple things that he said already and summarizing them here in our verse that we're covering today. So it is a repeat of what has already been said. And so my outline for this morning is purpose, privilege, and promise. And happy Mother's Day to my wife, Jody, for the alliteration this morning. She loves English, and alliteration is her love language, and so this is all for you, honey. Happy Mother's Day. All right, so let's hit number one, purpose. Purpose, verse 13. Let's read verse 13 slowly and prepare our hearts that we, might, that we too do not miss what John is closing this letter off with in this last paragraph or so. It says this in verse 13, it's on the screen. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, anytime you read, I write these things, is a point back. It's a point back to what already has been said, right? It's not rocket science to see these things. I write these things to you, meaning I've all these things that you've already read, I am pointing back to them, so pay attention. Having this statement at the end of the letter is so sweet. It's like a loved one tapping you on the shoulder and going, did you see this? Did you notice this? I'm writing these things for your sake. And John is acting like a good shepherd to the church. Look back at what I have said the answers are here. The answers that you're longing for and looking for, remember, he's writing to the church. And he's going, the answers that you're struggling with are here. Pay attention. And John has been doing this actually throughout the letter, telling us to read this letter slowly, make sure and making sure that we don't miss it. In fact, John loops back 14 times. He said this, I write these things to you 14 times in this little epistle. It's only a couple pages, 14 times. I'm pointing back to the things and the guarantees that I'm I'm pointing out to you. So then we would be failing as a church, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we'd be failing if we didn't look and study what those 14 plus things are. And so I did some study, went through the verse by verse again through the whole entire book of 1 John, which is only, like I said, a couple pages. It doesn't take you long. And I encourage you, as a church, to do the same. Take this little letter, just read through it, and pull out what he is actually saying to you. What instructions are there? And I encourage you dads out there to lead your family in this. 
to lead your family, sit down with your kids and your family and, and just read through the book of 1 John together and, and look at the assurance of salvation that he's pointing out to. And I encourage our CGs to do the same, our community groups, and, and to get plugged into your community group and just walk through together, maybe taking sections at a time, just read through it together as we close off this letter and just rejoice and praise God for the things he said in this. But here are just a few I've pulled out and you can, if you want, you can take pictures on the screen. There's two screens here full of things, but 14 in total. It says again, I write these things to you that you might know eternal life if you have spiritual fellowship with other believers. And we see that, and you can see it on the screen in verses 1 and 3 of the first chapter. We have spiritual fellowship. Number two, spiritual fellowship with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You are essentially his child. That's good news. That if mothers are caring for their children well, and if fathers would not give a snake if your kid asks for bread like an earthly mother or father would not do that, there's no way, how much more would God give you a good gift? And that's what he's given. He's given us fellowship with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and you are his child. Number three, a sign of your assurance is joy in Christ. Like when you read that, I was sharing with our prayer, uh, people that showed up for prayer at 9.15, and we do that every Sunday, and I encourage all of us to just be there at 9.15 and just have fellowship with one another. And and I shared, I'm reading through John, and, and my reading plan was, I was to read John 1 and 2 uh, yesterday. And I started reading, and now I'm in chapter 13. Like, I could not stop reading this amazing gospel letter to the church. And I encourage you to do the same. Have joy in Christ and what he is saying to us. Do you have joy in Christ? And is it growing Number four, the inner and outer man match, meaning you'll see this over and over in the scriptures that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you say uh, something angry to your spouse or something angry to your kids, it's actually not your spouse or your kids. It's you, the anger that's already in you that is coming out of your mouth. It's really different from actually pointing a finger at someone's fault it's actually the anger that was just exposed outwardly was already in you. And so that anger is coming out now. And so the inner man and the outer man need to match. And that's what this over and over and over, we can see those verses pile up uh, in our text. Number five, you confess sin and know those sins to be forgiven. And I write these things again to you that you might know eternal life, that you know the, and love the Father that number seven, that you believe upon Jesus as the Christ, that you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, that you love the brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is why we did a community event. Last, yesterday we went, walked around Rice Lake and I, I may have dipped a couple kids in the water, may have, all right, it's called the swirly, right? Usually it's in a toilet, but I did it in the lake. It was a lot of fun for me anyways. And we threw some rocks in the lake, had some fun time, got to know each other as a, as a community outside of a gathering on a Sunday. And so we do community events. And if you've got a bulletin, handed a bulletin from the back there, as you walked in, there's all kinds of different community events that are coming. And so come, sign up and get involved in those. We have a good time in those. One that I'm looking forward to, I've already said this, is in August, mini golf tournament. I'm going to take Cam down. He's got no hope. All right, mini golf. Uh, I've already got a trophy, so we have bragging rights. It's awesome. Hang that up in my, in my closet or somewhere. I don't know. 
So we want to love the brothers and sisters. We want to hang with them and, and love with them and, and be a part of each other's life. Number, uh, number 10, when I write these things to you that you might abide in his commands. Like when you abide in his commands, it's a sign of your assurance of salvation. When you overcome the world, the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, the pride of life, when you overcome the world, then you know that you are saved eternally in Jesus. When you recognize and discern truth and you know you have eternal life, number 13, because you have hope in redemption. Jesus rose again, paying for the sin that we committed. And, and when you have hope in that, you know that you're saved. Number 14, you have confidence in prayer. And you can see our text is in that section. We have confidence in prayer, and that's what we're hitting. So John is saying, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can see this one little sentence is jam-packed with the entirety of this little epistle. And this little letter is about our assurance of salvation. It's not an easy letter by any means, but will challenge us to step into preparing us to see Jesus face to face. It's in preparation that we might walk as Jesus walked, abide in him, in his commands for us. And the Christian life is a life of denying our kingdom. That's why it's not easy. Because our kingdoms call us all the time. I want this. I want this. I need this. I desire this. And we're called as followers of Jesus to deny those things, deny the things of this world for the sake of God's kingdom, to be his servant, to be his child. It's very big calling, and our world is all about living for now. Be, you're gonna, if you just have this, you're going to be filled with joy. Unfortunately, we know that that isn't true because we sometimes get those things, and they last. You know, the smell of a new car lasts for a little bit until your kid pukes in it. And then you find out that, you know, this is not the greatest joy. I need to sell this car, and that other one looks good. And you keep changing where your satisfaction will be. And Jesus is going, your satisfaction is in me. Seek me. And this is the Christian life, to to deny our kingdoms and seek God's. And the reward for this sacrifice, as we see in our text today, is eternal life. The reward to sacrifice our kingdoms for the sake of God's kingdom is eternal life. And this is the purpose, isn't it? This is the great purpose. Like John Calvin said in verse 13, of verse 13, the end of believing is that we become the children and the heirs of God. And that's what we're talking about. The end of the believing, believing in Jesus Christ upon your salvation. That's when you know you've arrived. You become a child of his. Like what else could there be? Like this, uh, this little letter is unpacking the guarantee for eternal life. And I don't know how else to fire us up, church. How else to excite us about this. To, to just get the, the, that fire in you. About, but to read the Bible more. Like I said, and just to give you an example of like reading through the text of Scripture. And that's happened to me multiple times as I read, try to read through this day. Like... There, there was one time in my office that I was sitting and I was called as a pastor to read the Bible at least an hour a day. And there was one day where I read it for five hours. I just couldn't put it away. I couldn't stop because it's so sweet. Like there's just a joy in it. 
and a love and a challenge. And it's like, oh my goodness, I'm doing this. I, I need, I'm challenged by this. I, I need to repent of my sin and confess my sin. So my call to you, all of us, is that we believe upon Jesus, that we let our inner confession and our outer actions proclaim together that Jesus is the Lord, that our inner man and our outer man match up and proclaim Jesus and live this out. And this is what life is all about. So sweet. See, I'm currently, like I said, I'm currently reading through the Gospel of John in chapter 12, and already John has mentioned that if you believe in Jesus and abide in him, that you will be saved. In those first 12 chapters, he's already said it 18 times. It's the message of the Bible, not just here in 1 John, but actually everywhere. Believe upon Jesus, and you will have eternal life. The promises of eternal life will be yours. So church and guests and friends, do the desires of your heart match the outer man? Your proclamation that is coming out of your heart, are they matching your actions for Jesus? See, give you a, a, just an example. Like, there's a lot of people that would say, you know what, I'm a really good cook. Not me personally. Like they're proclaiming for themselves, I'm a really good cook, but no one has actually seen you cook or no one actually actually tasted your food. So we don't know if that statement is true or, you know what, I'm a really clean person, but the McDonald's wrappers on your floor in your car that are piled up so you can't even see the floor anymore would say differently. The same with like, I'm a clean person and yet my room is a mess. I can't see the floor and my bed is, looks like someone had a wrestling match in it or whatever it is. It's like, are you, a, are your actions matching with your proclamation? And that's what John is saying here. John is trying to fire the church up. We all say, we all as a church, we say that we love Jesus, Right? I love Jesus. That's why we're here. I want to celebrate him. I want to proclaim him. Or I just want, I want to learn more about him. Maybe you're on a journey of faith and, and you just want to learn more about him. Then let's prove it. Let's prove it by our actions. This is not me being religious, telling you how to do. These works have nothing to do with your salvation, but it's something to do with your proclamation. And that's what John is doing throughout this letter. And you're going to notice that when you read this letter in its entirety, front to back. See, we are called to abide in Christ. We are called to love the way Christ has loved us. And may the love that God has given you flow now out of you. And you, you don't hold it back anymore. Let us love one another and care for one another as God has called us. May we all find a renewed purpose to bring glory and praise to Jesus this week. Secondly, privilege. This word is getting thrown around like crazy in our culture today, but privilege defined as this way, a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. This is what actually we do have, church. Those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have a right. We have an advantage. We have an immunity that is granted to us by way of Jesus' sacrifice for our sin. And this privilege gives us a deep confidence in his promises to us. One of those promises is prayer and his listening ear. And this is a great privilege of ours. 
Look at verse 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, again, these three verses would take about two years to go through all the massive things that jump into this. And so I've got three points, right? The second point here that we're talking about privilege, I've got two sub points. All right, so here we go. And then one of these points, the will of God, I've got three, or confidence, I've got three sub points. So if you're taking notes, follow along. I'll do my best on the screen to help you along. So now John here is unpacking the two sub points are confidence and will of God. We can see this in this verse. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, or sorry, let's go back to verse 14. So that first verse, you can see that's the first sub point, the confidence that we have. So confidence wavers, doesn't it? Like I know mine does. Like, do you have confidence in Jesus Christ? Like, I'll give you an example. Like walking into a room like this, if you're a first time, it's kind of you're taking a scan of the area, right? You walk in, it's not, like there's been times where I've walked into a room for the very first time and you scan the area. You wonder like, can I have, con- like who am I in this moment? walking into this room, what do those people think who, of, who I am? Like we, and there's some new people here, and they maybe have done the same. Maybe you can resonate with this. Walking into a room for the very first time, you wonder, who am I? And so confidence wavers. Maybe for some, it's wavered today. But the biggest thing to get over that fear is confidence in who you are. Like it may be friends in the room that you know that brings confidence to you. You see some afar, oh, it's like I can go talk to my friend. Or maybe it's just a familiarity. After it's like three, four, five times walking into this room, you have a confidence because you know who you are in this place. Again, it goes by way of your familiarity, of your identity. But as Christians, as we walk into a room, we have something far greater. And it's threefold. Here's the three subpoints that I'm talking about. It's threefold because John has already talked about these things in this, in this little book. See, confidence is built by way of confession. Three things, by obedience and by the spirit of truth. So let's look at the first one, by confession. In 1 John 2.28, it says, And now little children, abide in me so that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming because Jesus has promised that he's coming again. And so do we have confidence in him? And by this, we have it by confession. You know your identity by your confession. In the context of this verse 28, You need to go back to verses 22 and 27. It's not on the screen, so I challenge you to look at it in your Bibles. But it says, but it is our trust in his grace, our confession of him, that Jesus is God and that we have fellowship with him, that his promises are sure. It's our confession in Jesus that brings us confidence in salvation. And that's what this is. It's by confession that we have confidence. The second subpoint is by obedience. In 1 John 3:21, it says, "Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God." Again, the context of our con- confidence here is that our heart and flesh match, which I've already said multiple times. And I get that from verse 18 of chapter 3. It says, "Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth, out of the expression of the spirit of truth, that it might flow all out to our neighbor, that we might match inward and outwardly. 
See, we have a confidence on how we love and how we live our lives. We have confidence in how we are changing based on Jesus' commands that we seek to abide in them and in him. And thirdly, by the Spirit. And we can see this in 1 John 4, 17. It says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Again, our confidence is because of the confession of Jesus as Lord and the gift of the Spirit as Jesus is, is good to us and he gives us good gifts and he seals us with his Spirit that we might have life and life to the full, that he resides in us. So we have the confidence that when we believe upon Jesus for salvation, when we believe that Jesus came and lived in flesh on this earth 2,000 years ago, died a perfect death for us as the sacrificial lamb, paying the sin penalty that we deserve, and then three days later rose again that we might have life and eternal hope in him because, as Romans 6 says, we are going to be with him in his death and in his life. So we have confidence that we will desire to be with him, that we will proclaim as children his name. So we now have complete confidence as heirs of the king and as children as of the king. We will desire to speak with him, but not just speak with him, but pray what he wants. Right? When you really love someone, you pray what they want. When you, when you serve the king of kings and lord of lords, you want to do what they want to do. Like you're not entering into the king of the kings and lord of lords and entering into that throne room and going, this is what I want. You're going, what would your will be? That's how you enter into the throne room of the king of kings. And that's what we see here in this text of scripture. We want to pray and do what he wants to do. And you know this, right? Like, when you really, really, really love someone, you don't really care what you do. You just want to do what they want to do, right? You want to do what they want to do because you love them deeply. This is what your love with Christ is. So to go back to chapter 5, verse 14, it says, like again, we have confidence in prayer because of our confession in who Jesus is, our obedience to his word, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Therefore, the privilege is that we, because of the work of Jesus, we are able to come to the King of kings and Lord of lords and ask in his will, and he will hear us. He will hear us. Are we seeing, are we seeing this? Like he will hear me? The second subpoint is the will of God. Now, if you go back into our uh, archives of sermons, in the, in about a year and a half ago, we preached through the book of Ephesians. And I unpacked the will of God a little bit in that, and I'm going to just do a really quick summary here. But the will of God is in twofold. The will of God is the will of decree and the will of command. And the will of decree, you cannot break. It, it will happen. Like God decrees something, it's going to take place. You cannot stop it. It's impossible because he's God and you're not. And the will of command, if you remember, I, had, I said, everybody please rise. And then everybody rose. And I said, thank you. Now everybody sit down. And you all sat down. And I'm not sure if you remember that. But I was like just demonstrating the fact that this is the will of command. You could have stayed seated. You could have just stayed standing. 
you could have disobeyed the will of command that it commanded of you. Just like God, when he commands of you, you can, you can disobey this will. You can say no. And we see that in Scripture. Throughout the life of these. And so this will of command is on us. And it's talking about these things. Like in 1 John, abide in me. Can you disobey that? Yes. You can. You can disobey God in his command of you to abide in him. See, the will of command is the imperative for us to live out. And John is reminding us here at the close of his letter that we have confidence that God will hear our prayer as long as we pray his will. He will hear us. So this will of God, unfortunately, can be broken, like I've said, but is given to us for our good and God's glory. He's not commanding us something that we cannot do. He's commanding of us that we might do. So what is the will of God? It is to abide in his commands. So again, it is important to follow me on this. In verse, five, uh, verse 14 again, it says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if his will is obedience, if his will of command is obedience, then when we ask things he has commanded of us, he hears us. Like, track with that. When we ask things that he has proclaimed and commanded of us, he hears us. And a perfect example is Jesus' prayer teaching his disciples how to pray. In Matthew 6, it says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it continues, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is God's command that you might forgive one another. He's commanded this all throughout the scripture. 70 times seven, you're to forgive your neighbor. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep us away from sin. Deliver us from these things. I know I'm going to be tempted, so help me, Lord. He hears you. Because he's commanded this of you. So Jesus taught to pray the will of God to be obedient. And let me give you a second example. In 1 Thessalonians, it's not on the screen, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 10, it gives us four instructions in this, in the will of God. And again, 1 Thessalonians, it's about that far in your Bible. It's on page 1661 in mine. Or if you just scroll, I don't think you have page numbers but it'd be important to look at. And it says this, for this is the will of God. That's a good start to underline. Your sanctification. Sanctification is a fun word. It means that you become more like Christ so that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother. So four quick instructions really quickly there. Lust doesn't always mean sexual sin. It means lusting after your neighbor's car, lusting after whatever it might be. 
desiring something covetously. And then it says, in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, so do the will of God. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this commandment disregards not man. You're not sinning against each other. You're sinning against God. Disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, which our first John is all about, you have no need for anything to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. This has been over and over and over again. I don't even need to teach you about this, is what Paul is saying. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Abide in the commands of God. Flee from your kingdom. Seek his kingdom. Match up your inner man to the outer man. Do what you're saying you are. This is God's call on us. And this is how we are to pray that he might hear us. Such a sweet text. How do we know when we hear that we know that the Lord will hear you? When you pray his commands. When you abide in him. When you seek to abide in him through your prayer, Lord, help me flee from temptation. I hear you. So sweet. Again, the things John is reminding us of are for our good and God's glory. John is giving us the purpose of eternal life and the means of how to get there and what to pray that God might hear us. And lastly, John tells us of a promise. In verse 15, it says, And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. But we need to recognize something here. John is giving this instruction with a task that our heart and flesh match. That we not only hear the words of God, but that we do them. That we not merely say that we live in the light, but that we actually do live in the light. John is writing to the believer and he is assuming if you believe, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, like if you believe this, and that's one of my first questions, do you believe upon Jesus for your salvation? Yes. Okay, then the next question is, I trust you in that statement. The next question is, how are you doing? How are we living that out as a church? How are we living that out as brothers and sisters in Christ? Like if your confession is that you believe upon Jesus, then what does that look like for you? It's not works-based. The, the salvation has already happened. It's your confession. And so if we're confessing that Jesus is Lord, then how are we then acting? And that's the whole letter of John. Abide in him. Don't proclaim that you're in the light and yet living in the darkness. This is over and over again. So the promise for God, when you confess and you actually live it out, is to believe in Jesus that you can ask in his will, meaning abide in his commands. That's what that means. Ask in his will, abide in his commands, and he will hear you, and you will have the promise of eternal life. 
So what are we willing or called to ask for from God this week? May it be filled with this. This has been such a good like section for me to study. How, how do my prayers line up with the word of God? And I want to challenge all of us. How do your prayers line up with the word of God? Are we coming into the throne room on bent knee, praising Jesus Christ and going, I really, really, really love you. I want to do what you want to do. I want to abide in what you tell me to for the sake of your glory. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help us live this out. It is such an imperative book just filled with the dues of the gospel written to your church. And this is the church gathered together today, Jesus. And I pray for all of us that we might walk as you have walked, that we might live the way you have lived, that we might seek to follow your commands upon us, that we might believe upon you as Lord and Savior of our life, that we will see that your commands are good and for our benefit and for your glory. So I pray, Jesus, for all of us, that we might seek you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and really live that out instead of just quickly repeating that line. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. Lord, everything that we got, help us. Help us live for you this week and the weeks to come, the years to come, that we might be a light in this community. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.